So we're going to use a scripture, and I'm going to blend different testimonies and challenges between each one. And the first scripture in Matthew 28, 19, 20, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a challenge for all of us. It wasn't just for the disciples then. And with that, again, Jesus said, abide until I come. He never said hide. Abide. Keep on doing whatever we're doing. And it's time that we go out and take the field. The church, this is a ship. And in the ship, we, 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 we pull people out of the rough waters. We help them revive. But the ship also dispatches. And we need to take back the ground. We need to take back the shores. It's time. Acts 1.8, and Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me <coughs> in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and into the ends of the earth. In Acts 2.17, Peter quotes Joel out of uh, uh, chapter 2, 28, 29. And it shall come to pass in, a, in, the, in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all. Didn't say George. Didn't say man. It said all. That means all of us. And on that, I want to hit a note because we're going to hit past and we're going to come forward. Years ago, I was ministering in this one town and revival hit. And a group of men got baptized in the spirit. But they were in a particular denomination were taught like, you know, it's man's thing. And I was in the house next, the next day, eating, and the, all the women were talking about that. And I said, can you show me that in scripture? Well, they had a little problem with the theology because the mother, the daughter, and the granddaughter all got baptized in the spirit. And they went back to the church. So they, they, they had a little bit of a, uh, an attitude adjustment. <clears throat> and a lot of things we're going to try and share today is like, Keep in mind, one way we can reach out there into the field is if we pray for divine appointments. And it's not just here in church. Praise God, it should happen here in church. But we need to take what we've got to the streets, wherever we're at. <clears throat> pray for divine appointments. And that can be any place, an outreach. Um, I've seen people touched in the stores. I went into, uh, my wife and I went in to order a, a uh, some lunch. She got soup, sat down the front, front window. I waited until my sandwich was called. Well, when you're in one of those little stores and uh, they got tight aisles and one lady's reaching across like this on the shoulder of the other, you're not going by. And I said, excuse me, what's happening? And she turns, I never saw this lady before. She turns around and grabs my shoulder and starts talking like a 78 record. And I said, God, you just set me up. And she talked about how she'd been in this accident. She'd been in physical therapy for, for six weeks. And I said, really? Can I show you something? Now, if you go pray for somebody, make sure you make that all are clear that it's God. Because we can't do anything. So I put my hand out. And if your arms, if your shoulders are off a little bit, your back, you know, it might show a little bit on the arms, Right? Well, she was twisted. She put her arms out like this, and they hit like this. 
And, I, and she's sitting on my hand. I'm going like, in 40 years of doing that, I've only seen twice it even came close to that. And I said, are we a little twisted? Yeah. A lot of pain? Yeah. You believe in prayer? Yeah. Would you be offended if I, because Jesus said lay hands on nobody abruptly. Would you be offended if I prayed for you? She probably thought I was going to do something religious. She said, well, I guess that'd be all right. In the name of Jesus, behold. Boom. All everybody around heard it just pop. And her hands are like this. She's staring like this. And I said, that's Jesus. He doesn't charge. That's my sandwich. And I'm late for work. And I left. And all the way out, I ran into a pastor. And he looks at me and says, you just do that. I said, James, you of all people should know better. You're a pastor. I said, where do you see Jesus ever having a long-winded prayer? He said, speak to it. You follow the master, you get the same results. So that's in the shopping place. Ireland, <clears throat> when I was over there, I, I had the pleasure of being over there. And it was, uh, should we say it wasn't quite as calm then. It was back in 84 where the Protestant Catholics were still shooting each other. Bombs were going off. It, it, you, know, you, 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 you prayed that you know, when you got to the end of the street, we're all here. And uh, anyways, I ministered in a full gospel meeting. Two nuns get healed. And they... Uh, <clears throat> They go to their church and tell the priest, if you want to see something happen, get him in here. And he goes, call him Brother Griff. Nobody knows what he belongs to. So I went from a full gospel meeting to a Catholic church. And the next night, I was in a Protestant church all on the same boulevard. Then I get called into a meeting outside this room. And as I walk through the door, I realize all the walls are lined. And I'm the only one in that room that's not an ordained priest or minister. And I said, they're going to put me on the next flight out. And the guy sitting at the end, white beard, wire room glasses, looking over the top and says, Yoink, we know God sent you hell because what you just did the last three days, anybody else would have been shot. That was reassuring. And, I, I, and he says, God showed us that he called you here and he said to give you the keys of the country. We've set you up in the tenant ministry and that's the chauffeur at the door. So I left off to go do three meetings a day. <clears throat> And we were on Jesus Mobile School, training as you go. And about a week into it, we were going down the road one day, and we did a breakfast meeting. I looked at, I said, I looked at my driver and said, hey, I don't have a lunch meeting today. He says, you're right. I said, well, you've got to be tired. And he said, what make, yeah, I am, but what make you ask? I said, well, I'm tired, but I'm, I'm not going back to uh, Navin to come back to Dublin. I said, uh, why don't you drop me off in a garden someplace in the city? He says, Yank, what's with the garden? I'm a horticulturist. God and I can have fun there. And so, as we all know, if you get to spend time with God, it's awesome. He dropped me off, and I couldn't believe that God arranged it. There wasn't one person came through that garden. I had five hours alone with Jesus. <clears throat> so, you get that kind of time, you, you can kind of get lit. So I get on a double-decker bus because they gave me directions where I was getting to the evening meeting. And I'm just... I'm not saying a word. I've shared Jesus on planes, jets, boats, buses. I don't care. Streets, jail. But I was just reveling in because God showed me what he was going to do. And it was exciting. And I'm listening with one ear as I'm, yes, Lord. Oh, I just can't wait to get in that meeting. It's going to be good. And I guess someone started to, to leak. And people say, how, do you get, how did they get healed like that? I said, open the book. How did they come? Come as they did, and you'll get what they got. I'm walking down the aisle. I'm not wearing a super Christian shirt. I got a three-piece suit on. And this woman to my left grabs my coat and says, Man of God, will you pray for me? Hold it. That's my stop. Such as I have in the name of Jesus. 
rise and walk. And she did. And the bus driver's like this. I had to close the mouth. I said, did you hear what I said? I said, good. You looked at Jesus. Let him take care of the rest. That's called procession revival. So when you start seeing it on the streets, you know when you get to the meeting, it's going to be glorious. And this was happening. She comes behind me and says, Sonny, you know where those apparatuses can go. I don't need it anymore. You can drop it off there. What a witness. Now, taking it on a jet, sometimes we're sharing. Other times, God sets up appointments. I was coming back from Ireland. We hit some of the worst turbulence on record. I'm on a jet that was dropping in pocket, air pockets 50 to 70 feet a shot. You know, boom, boom. looked like a ping pong ball. I'm looking out these wings. I'm not an aviation person, so like when I see a wing go like this, I got a little bit concerned. And, but I had been prayed up. I, I just came off a revival meeting, so I was still, I'm walking down the aisle, and the plane would disappear, and I see a guy with a cup of coffee go like that and catch it. And I'm going down there, and the waitress goes like, I mean, the stewardess goes, you got a good, good set of sea legs. I said, I've done this on, on a ship, but I've never done this on, on, a, on a, a jet. And the pilot says, fasten all carts to the nearest post. Everybody's seatbelts. She says, you want to sit here? I said, no, that's my seat back. That'll be fine. I get back, and I, I sit down. And this lady next to me, I'd never seen before, she grabs my arm and says, do you think I'm Mike Boston? Oh, yeah. You seem quite confident. I said, I prayed. God said I'd get there safely. You're sitting next to me. Just relax. And this is where she crossed the line. She goes, well, you prayed. Big deal. When was the last time you had a prayer answered? And I leaned back like I was sleeping, but I peeked out of the left eye, and she's going like, doing one of these. Can we pray? Across the Atlantic, coming across, she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior and Lord. I gave her my Gideon Testament, showed her some places to read. Now I was going to go to sleep. She's reading, so the Spirit's working on her. About an hour into the trip, she grabs my shoulder and says, Hey, what's this about the Holy Spirit? I said, well, you accept Jesus by faith. You get baptized in his Holy Spirit by faith. Let's pray. So the family that dropped her off in Boston, was, when they picked her up, she wasn't the same person. She was born again, baptized in spirit and speaking in tongues when she landed in Boston. That, that's good fishing. Yeah, now, <clears throat> the, uh, uh, James says, be ye doers of the word, not just hearers. It's good to hear the word, but we need to put it to practice. And, again, I'm going to share some of the things we've seen, but where we're going. We've got the, uh, I was covering a pulpit some years ago, and they carried a little girl in that was, uh, the doctors had done everything they could. She was form, rare form of uh, cancer, went in the ear. They did a surgery. They removed the eardrum, toasted her ear channel, toasted her larynx, chemo and radiator for, 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 uh, for 14 months, handed her back to the mother and said, we've done everything medically, scientifically, we know how. She's got 10 days to two weeks to live. But God. But God. So I'm standing in a pulpit like this, and I saw them carry that child in. As we know, guys are not good at multitasking. And so I'm trying to give a message, and I started praying, God, they don't need some flaky Christian coming down. They need Jesus. Meet that family where they're at. Which is an honest prayer. And when I finished to go down, I was tiptoeing because unless God gives you something, don't say anything. And I thought I was going to say something gentle. And holy boldness hit me. I thought, I'm surprised that poor lady stayed in church. I looked at her and said, Mark 11, 23 says, speak to the mountain. And God said, the mountain here is cancer. And with the authority he's given me in the name of Jesus, I curse that. And he says, 
If they're going to be sick, call the elders of the church. They know I'm an elder. I'll, I'll stand on that promise. And I anointed with oil. And I said, God just said to tell you that this child will not die, but live and proclaim the work of the glory of his hands. And I looked at the mother who didn't know me from Adam. No. I said, you've heard prayer of faith, prayer of authority, prayer of submission. I'm not the persuasion you prayed once and it's done. And even if I was, I wouldn't go there. I'm also an intercessor. And that's a kneeler. May I see your child? I'm going to kneel at that altar and pray for a miracle. My knees hit the altar. I had a prayer. The power of God hit me so strong, I had a three-piece suit on. When I stood up, it was soaked. I handed it back to her, and I said, that you may know that this of God is 100 scriptures pertaining to healing. And it says you can speak life or death into that child. Where do you stand with Christ? The mother got saved. And to finish the rest of the story, she went back, and that was on Pentecostal Sunday. And by Labor Day weekend that season, she was declared a medical miracle. God not only healed her of the cancer, <clears throat> he wanted to, you guys ain't taking credit for this one. He put the eardrum back, and it was written up in two medical journals. To God be the glory. But that's in church service. But the battle is on, and it's real. I was doing street ministry recently, and I had a vet, military vet who had been in <clears throat> firefights next to me, and he looked at me after, and he's like, He's, you got guts. And I said, no, I know who I am in Jesus. This guy comes walking in, looking like one of the three musketeers. He had hair to his shoulder, probably was, hadn't been combed in the last decade. It was like out like this, beard down to here. And he was definitely a street urchin. And he went to hit us up for money. And both of us in unison said, we won't give you a cent for you to support your habits, but we will take you out to eat. And he started, and he pipes up and says, and I'm a Satan worshiper. And I looked at him and said, so how's that working for you? And we talked for a little while. And I swear this guy looked like he was in his 50s. And I asked him his age, and he says, I said, how old are you? 30. <clears throat> okay. How old do you think I am? Oh, in the 50s? I said, you missed it by two decades, son. I'm 73. And you ain't ever going to see that. I serve the God of life and light. You serve the God of darkness and death. Both have dividends. And it's evident. But later on, God wanted to show him that he was God. And I put my hand out to shake. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with dark magic, they figure if you make contact, like that's a place to pass a curse. But the scripture says you cannot put a curse without a cause on a righteous man. So I stuck my hand out, and when he shook it, you could feel a current come down his arm, and when it hit my hand, it went back up, and his eyes popped open like two baseballs. And I said, son... That won't work on me. My God is God. Now, if you ever decide to cross over, you're looking at my truck. You got my phone number. You can call me. I'll meet you at the altar or the battlefield. But my God wins. It's your call. So we looked at that. But the battle's there. And as mentioned earlier, like, take dominion. One, when she brought that thing, what came to me when you shared that was just before COVID, I was in a prayer meeting. And God <clears throat> decides to take me in the, in the spirit, takes me to a lake. And I'm looking at the countryside. It was awesome. I was really getting into it. And he says, enter the water. It was like Ezekiel. He said, go further, go further. And I got out in the middle of the lake. I'm looking at blue sky and blue lake. And when you're at this level horizontal, you can't tell where one ends and the next one stops. So everything's just blue. And the Lord goes, can't see shore anymore, can you? I said, no, Lord. Can't touch bottom. Nope. God, trust me, huh? 
I said, yeah, I want you to rest in me. And I leaned back, and as I was floating, I felt tension, stress, anxiety. Go, I, I want you all to know I was getting into that. That was better than any therapy I've ever had. And I'm just there. I go, awesome. And he goes, next I'm back on the beach. And I said, Lord, I was, I, was, I was kind of getting into that. And he says, pick up your staff. And I said, I didn't come with one. And he says, look to your right. And I picked the staff up. The next thing I know, I'm standing at the peak of the tallest mountain you can imagine where I could turn, I'm straddling the peak, and I could see 360 degrees. And he says, I've called you. I says, yes, Lord. I've anointed you. Yes, Lord. <clears throat> Speak to it. Take dominion over all that you hear and all that you see. Yes, Lord. Next morning, I get phone calls. They shut the country down. We're in COVID. We're all going to die. I said, I don't receive that. <clears throat> I had total peace going through the whole thing. The enemy's real. But our God's bigger. And we need to keep our eyes on the solution, not the situation. Now, some of us have been around for a while. We saw a lot happen in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, and 90s. We saw miracles in floods. I saw the Shekinah glory hit a building in uh, Melbourne, Australia, while Reinhardt Bunky, I was on the... uh, uh, ministerial staff, the power of God hit that building so hard as Moses saw a burning bush that was not consumed, the Lord hit that building where this meeting was going on. They called the fire department. He happened to be a Christian. He looked up and he said, I can't put that kind of a fire out. What do you do with that? The fire was there, but the building wasn't consumed. The hospital saw it and they would go like, hey, we've done everything we can for you, but if you want, we'll put you on a gurney, put you in an ambulance and take you down there. There's something happening. It's awesome when God opens up the eyes of the world to see what he's doing. So if this is a building, we're at the front, and say they had a door on this side and a door on this side, the ambulance stopped there, they wheeled them in here, and they walked out there. And this went on for an hour and a half that night. The glory of God, they just brought them from the hospitals, and we saw people coming off of wheelchairs, off gurneys, you name it. But the power of God, it's called the Shekinah glory of God, and we are due. Now, <clears throat> To go where I'm going, as far as <clears throat> what I didn't share at the beginning was, I got into the scripture a little too quick, was hold on, it ain't over yet, and the best is yet to come. The holding on, we've held on. But we need to see it's nearing. God's waking up the sleeping giant. God's stirring on it. Now, there's still a lot of complacency in the church, and we need to clear that up. But we need to do everything in our part. God... I mean, how can we reach them? In October 1985, I was in a meeting, and two pastors came down and said, uh, we've heard from your pastor, you move in a unique way, and I kind of look at them because like, that's the name of my landscape company, so I wasn't sure where they were going with that. And they said, uh, we just want you to know if you've got anything as the pastor of this church, you're cleared to give it. And I said, I, I, I don't, I've got nothing. And I was being honest. He said, well, if you get anything, you're clear." So they leave, and the Lord says, you're right, you got nothing, but I do. Cute, Lord. Well, I knew the one up giving the message that night, and he was giving me, and as he came to close, he just looked at me and nodded. So we were all tuned in. So when he stopped, I sat up. The first three visions were for that night, and we had a healing service that went on for over an hour where we ministered all kinds of needs. The last vision, as you, when you pick up the Bible, a lot of those prophecies... Ezekiel, Daniel, they weren't for then, they're for the now. We're just getting into Revelations now. 
So the vision I saw that night, 40 years ago, wasn't for then, and I knew it. I wanted to see it, but it wasn't for then. I heard and saw the Spirit go, go west, young man, go west. Even one of your presents said, go west. I said, yes, Lord. The last three major movements of the Holy Spirit started from the west. I said, yes, Lord. He said, the sun sets in the west. Look no longer to the west. Look to the east, the rising sun. For when it comes, it'll be a new dawn. The next, the greatest, and the last revival in the history of mankind will come in the northeast, go down the coast and across the country and around the world. I've hung on to that promise for 40 years. And now we're at the point I can taste it. We need to rekindle the fires. Smith Wigglesworth, when he could no longer minister, he still liked to meet souls. He didn't care the age. When he couldn't travel anymore, he'd get out of the apartment while he could still walk, and he'd go down to the park with a big bag of popcorn, share some with the pigeons, some with the kids come by, and he shared Jesus with the little kids. He asked God, what is it that I can still do? What can I still reach? Caleb and Joshua were 80 when they took over. And Caleb looked at Joshua and said, hey, I don't want the easy street. Give me the mountains. My man had vision, and he hadn't slowed down. The, the, where the church is going, we need to fire up and call back all the old servants, all the old generals, because we need to teach this generation to inspire them. Our God is God. He's real. And also, Job said, greater is the end of a thing than the beginning. What we saw in the 80s was awesome. There's no doubt about it. I saw people come out of wheelchairs. I saw people come off crutches. I saw people who looked like pretzels walk out straight. But also, Luke 18, 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set liberty to those who have been oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Church, we look at somebody coming on, you know, with braces or wheelchair, and we go, they need healing. You can go to heaven in a wheelchair, but this and this are handicaps. God wants the whole person, physically, mentally, emotionally. We need to pray and minister to all the needs. And that kind of pouring is coming. There are they're out there, the fog is so thick, this last 30 years, they've been lied to and told that he doesn't exist. It's now our duty, our duty, to take it to the next generation, to pass the anointing on and what we can do. And again, praying for divine appointments wherever you go. I, don't, I go out to eat, and the waitress comes sharing something. <clears throat> we stop and pray for that particular need. We go uh, shopping, and people come over. We pray there. Churches, wherever you're standing, whatever you're doing, I've reached through a shattered window of a, a, a vehicle. I always pray for fresh bread. I, this one was a little too fresh. Uh, I was going to speak at a youth group that night, and I came around the corner, pouring rain at dark, and I got there just in time to watch a head-on collision. <clears throat> With my arm, I reached through a broken window, and I, I said, what can I pray for? She took the steering wheel off with her chest. I said, I won't do anything to offend you or anybody else. I'm going to touch your shoulder and my Lord will take care of the rest. And <clears throat> I threw flares around. I said, ma'am, those that can help you at, at this point are coming. And we saw the EMTs and the fire and everybody else pulling in. And I bailed, and the police were there. And somehow she got my 
name from them. And sometime later, I got, we got a letter, and Julie goes, do you recognize this? And I opened that, and I opened it up and said, first word was, quite frankly, when you reached through the window in a pouring rain looking like a drowned muskrat, I thought you had a screw loose. I heard Jesus say this, but I didn't know he still healed. The power of God hit her so strong that when she got to the hospital, the heat was on her so strong, they took x-rays. Her ribs had been broken, and God had reset them. She was not patient that night, and she started looking for a church that preached the full gospel. So you don't know how God's going to use something. But they had um, many of the uh, uh, um, outpourings. If we, if we pray, you know, God, how can we stir the youth? And as you pray here, one thing, Pastor, we started this. this. This church had vision. And I still remember when we had all the chairs down and we still wondered where we are going to put the people. Start to pray that again. God, fill those chairs. Pray over those chairs. Fill the chairs. Bring the ones in that have a vision for this church and where it's called to go. God, help us revitalize it. We're not dying on the vine. We're just getting started. Is, uh, the, uh, again, praying for divine appointments. Past testimonies, we've shared. But God's doing it again. Okay, some of you know our history, some of you don't. But my wife, Julie, in May of 2018, was diagnosed, and they gave her six weeks to six months. She had an uh, inoperable brain tumor in the back of her head, and they said, all we can do is maintain it. There's no medical scientific evidence of anybody being cured. And I said, yet. And we prayed. We did everything the doctors had said. But you can't pray about something you don't know. But once you know it, so this thing was the size of a goose egg. But once we started praying, it showed no evidence of growth. That in itself got their attention. We prayed. And three years into it, we go into the MRI, and there's a glow ring around the tumor. And they go, we ain't ever seen that before. I said, I'm at total peace with that. Next year we go in, the thing is, this round, ugly thing is flat like a penny. Next time we go in, it's gone. So the tumor's gone, and she's still here. Okay, but to share that she's not to be the, that's to be the norm. I'm on a national prayer conference call, and a friend of mine from Alaska shared his mother was diagnosed with cancer. And then two months later, he goes, hey, they don't understand it, but it's spreading like prairie fire all over her body. And I saw in a vision a burning on her right side. And I said, Terry, I, I see a, a large burn area on the right side. He said, oh yeah, it started out as breast cancer. Well, I said, if God can show me the root of it, can I pray? And we prayed. Within weeks, the cancer started reversing. At the end of six months, she was in total remission, and she's been there for the last year and a half now. Amen. So it's prayer, but God's not a respecter of persons. One, standing on the word. If you're not reading the Bible, you need to. But you got to read the Bible, stand on the word, speak the word continuously. It says you have the power to speak life or death into a situation or a person. 100 scriptures pertain to healing. We, we went over those continuously. And now they've done MRI, CAT scan, ultrasounds, and they, they, they can't find it. One doctor came back three times. She says, I've never heard or seen anything like this. And I said, she says, how do you explain that? I said, God's not dead. We prayed and there's the evidence. So that's going to have to be an an adjustment she'll have to get to. But 
and all that's going on out there, if all of us pray, God, as Isaiah said, send me. Regardless of the age, there's still things we can do. And there's so much we can reach and share the testimonies of what we saw and yet what we're going to see. We can't live on what we saw in the 80s. We need it and we need it now. And going to the streets like when we're up in Manchester, we're praying for miracles because some of people have been preached to by every denomination out there. Some of them can quote your scripture better than some people in church. They know the Christianese, the lingos. So rather than come in and give a warm fuzzy, we need to come in and give them the power. And if you start having healings, miracles, and deliverances on the streets, we will fill the church. But we can pray, Lord, bring in the family so we can build. Bring in the family so we can encourage the young people. Give us a vision, and when they come in, let it be vibrant. Let it be real, exciting. And going for the younger ones. World says, you're too old, you're too young. Not says so, says the Lord. Samuel had just been finished being weaned when he was called to serve in the temple. And God started showing him visions. I know a little girl who was born again, baptized in the Spirit at five. So, passes out there, and he was down here working his garden in Florida, and a scorpion hit his hand. Now, I don't know if you all know about scorpions, but that stings and swells. So he pulls up, jumps back, and little Joy, she's on the way to the swing set. Now you get a little kid, their mind is set on swing. And she just sees that. He did a Peter prayer. Oh, Jesus, heal that now. Thank you. Went on to the swing set. God healed the pastor by a five-year-old little girl. So open to your children that they can be used. Open because there's no, there's no age factor on how God can use a person. And it's um, mine is to encourage. Besides, preaching like that, I was sharing with some, some people in the hallway that, like, I've done street ministry, I've done churches, radio. I also do clown ministry, so you adapt to what you, whatever you're called to at that moment. So, whether I'm in a three piece suit, pair of jeans, or a clown, as long as I'm doing what Jesus would be doing, I'm fine with it because I have no pride and it's fun. And so, we've, done, we've gone into state penitentiaries. I've gone in as a clown. I've gone in as a preacher. You know, there are different ways of going in. But seek God. Stir up the prayer meetings. Fire up the prayer meetings. And you'll, you'll, see, you'll see this place grow again. But it's prayer and vision. And have the pastor share with a vision that he had for the church in the beginning. Might, have, might have be tweaked a little bit. and have to be a little adjustment. But it's still there. The calling is here. And this church is meant to reach the community. And I, I believe we're going to see an abundant harvest through here. It ain't over yet. The best is yet to come.